Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chiskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. And you may have noticed something a little bit different in the intro there as we are officially joining the Fresh Take Network, which if you're a video watcher over here on YouTube, then you not much will be changing for you other than you might notice a little logo right yeah, somewhere. I don't know if I'm pointing in the right direction. Hopefully I am. But uh, you might notice a logo there, and that'll be the only real change for you. But any audio listener out there, and you'll already know this considering you would have found it, we are now operating out of the Fresh Take Network over on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find the audio version, which, uh, once again, it won't really change the product or the podcast that much. It'll mainly just be changing where you can get it, so just keep that in mind when you go to look for your weekly trick play. And, uh, yeah... Uh, we'll be this week. We'll be mainly focusing on NFL Week Two and uh, probably take a dip in the NHL with uh, Babcock being fired before even coaching a game, which is a pretty wild situation. And we'll probably talk about the NHL coming back to Atlanta for what is the third time, which is pretty nuts as well. Maybe some Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift along the way. But uh, anyway, uh, make sure to enjoy. Uh, drop a follow wherever you're watching. And yeah, Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. So after this last game wraps up here, we're recording as Brown-Steelers is still ongoing. The Browns currently have the lead. We'll see how that ends. Um, We have another week of NFL football that just wrapped up. Uh, Week, I think, was a little bit better than the first. I have no reason for saying that and no personal bias whatsoever in giving that opinion. (laughs) Um, But we had quite a few good games. We're going to try to... uh, consolidate it a little bit after last week we had a little bit of an extended segment we said 30 minutes and it kind of extended further so we're reining ourselves in a i don't know what bit. you're talking about it was 30 minutes <laughs> okay well it was it was 30 minutes but we're gonna try to consolidate it even more we're gonna go um five key games from this weekend um we'll talk about vikings eagles seahawks lions giants cards commanders broncos and then Ended off with some ra- <coughs> some Ravens Bengals. Um, we're gonna s- start off with Vikings Eagles, a Thursday night game. Um, <coughs> for the Vikings, um, this was a very rough game. We're looking at um, it was thirty four twenty eight for the Eagles, and while the Vikings were consistently in it, they kept shooting themselves in the foot, kept. Um, fumbling the ball, I think they fumbled four times in this game, and now they're starting off the season 0-2, and they've got the Chargers up next. What do you think about this result for the Vikings, Simon? Yeah, I really, really don't know. I think the biggest thing that I noticed, and I think everybody noticed this, is that they really struggled in the when just whenever they tried to hand off the ball, which when that's going to be the case, especially against the defense like the what the Eagles have, you're just going to struggle. And... Uh, I don't know, I think that people weren't expecting it, but I'm personally not that surprised, especially after after they lost Delvin Cook. I think that uh, this might be an issue we see all season for the Vikings. I Unless we see uh, Madison just break out at some point in one of these games, he has really not been very impressive so far. And, uh, and that's, I don't know, I, I think is... I think the Vikings just need something that, to try and revamp their rushing offense. I think 
Obviously, their pass game is going to continue to be solid. They have Addison, they have Jefferson. Whenever you have two wide receivers like that, as young as they are, it doesn't even matter who you have at quarterback, even though I still think Cousins is a fairly fairly good QB. I, You're just going to struggle. And that defense isn't very good either. It's They're going to continue to struggle with that as well, just all over the game. So I don't know. I, I feel like we didn't learn much about the Eagles. They continue to be good at football. <laughs> That yeah. shouldn't be a surprise. Anytime they drop 34, it shouldn't be a surprise. So yeah. I think it's more what we learned about the Vikings than what we learned about the Eagles. Yeah, and yeah. the Vikings didn't even necessarily play bad. Like, if they they were, no. there was the play where Justin Jefferson is reaching over the goal line to try to score a touchdown, and it falls out of his hands, and instead of getting a touchdown, it's a touchback, and the ball goes to the Eagles. It's plays like that. That was a rough one. That, yeah. like, completely flip a game around and after getting upset by the bucks week one they have a rough schedule ahead of them they've got um chargers vikings up next that's two oh and two teams that did not expect to be oh and two um that'll be a very interesting game um one with <clears throat> one with some potential playoff implications this early in the season because um, starting off 0-2 and getting in the playoffs is hard enough, but starting off 0-3 and getting into the playoffs even rougher, yeah, especially I, when they have the Chiefs Week 5. Yeah, I do remember seeing the stat on that as well, where it's only 10% of teams that start the season 0-2 make the playoffs. Which So the Vikings definitely are going to have a tough hill to climb. If any team could do it, I could see them doing it. I think that they are going to bounce back. I don't th- think at all that they are an 0-2. They're, they are not a team that should be 0-2, especially with how good Kirk Cousins has looked at most times so far this season. I uh, They just need to figure that. They need to figure out their defense. They need to figure out their run game, get the fumbles figured out, and uh, that's all it's going to take. It, and obviously that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. But I think a lot of it will just come down to whether they can figure out a consistent run game, whether that's trying to find some way to just maybe pass it, get some more short passes behind the line of scrimmage to at least spread out the defense a little. Like They just need to find something to take all the attention off of Jefferson and Addison, obviously. Like Because with the Vikings, when you're going into that game against them, you're not going to expect them to run really at all. You don't have to game plan against it, right? And when that's the case, you just don't... You can just sit in soft zone and cover everything, right? It won't matter. And I think the Vikings are going to struggle a lot with that if they can't figure that out. Yeah, and it wasn't even like... I I don't know, because it wasn't even like Kirk Cousins had a bad game. He was 31-44 for 364, four touchdowns and zero picks. I saw something on Instagram that said Kirk Cousins is on track to be 0-17 with like 51 touchdowns, nine interceptions, um, which is insane. 6,000 yards. Yeah. Um, like, he is having an amazing season. Justin Jefferson still 159 receiving yards. Jordan Addison 72. Oh, yeah. Like, they're still finding people in the passing game. It's just um, they are shooting themselves in the foot more than anything else. Like, all these turnovers. Um, they turned over the ball lots in the Bucks game. They turned over the ball lots in the Eagles game. If you, you can put up these great stats, but if you're not holding on to the ball... If you're um, making these kind of mistakes, then you're going to lose football games. And it's the kind of thing, um, because I guess this is technically a one-score game, too. 
Um, I don't think, I think it was, from what I remember, it was more garbage time than anything um, with how little time the Vikings had left in the um, end to try and <coughs> to try and score that last touchdown because they got the ball back with like seven seconds left. Um, but it's almost like the flip side of what they were doing last season because last season the Vikings got like the plus side of variance more than anybody else. 13-4 and four, when they had a negative point differential, they probably should have been like a 9-10 win, maybe even 8 win team. Um, and they just lucked out in a bunch of games. And I feel like we're starting to see that come back around. Um, yeah. So for Vikings fans, I, I don't know. It's it's not that the team is playing bad. Like, I saw lots of promising things against the Eagles. It's just like you can't keep doing this to yourself and expect to um, win long term. Yeah, like the funny thing is the one thing that keeps popping up in my head is either how good this team would have been if they somehow found a way to bring back Delvin Cook or even just draft like a young running back in like the second or third round. I feel like we'd be seeing a different Vikings team because I, you can like you can call it shooting them in the foot all you want and I definitely agree with you. I just think that it all comes back to the fact that they don't have an easy, like I feel like I'm trashing Jordan, or not Jordan Addison, sorry. Uh, Alexander crap. Madison? That's it. I'm I'm making him. I am making myself sound really bad when I I feel like I'm trashing him a lot. He just has not been very good the first two games. And okay, it's, that let me let me put it, an asterisk on that though. Let me put an asterisk on that. Okay. The first two teams that the Vikings have played, they have played the Eagles and the Bucks. That's fair. Which are That's two very of the fair. best run yeah. defenses in the league. If I was running up against like. Vita Vea and the Bucks and Jordan Davis and every all of the former Georgia Bulldogs. That's a that's that a very line. good point. I think I'd only get thirty yards. I I mean I'd get negative thirty yards if they put me back there. But um, <laughs> I, I don't running know. in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, I'd be running for my life and taking safeties. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing where, I mean, it's not going to get that much easier against the Chargers defensive line. But no. um, and. That they've, they've got is, such again, tough competition down the road, but there's yeah. there's room for him to grow, and I still had faith in Alex Madison because all the times he's filled in for Davin Cook before, um, he's played really well. Um, that he's been he's been getting a lot of um, flack for the performances these last couple of weeks, but um, that's true. There yeah. was not a lot. The Vikings also played with a very makeshift offensive line. I believe like Christian Derisaw was injured. Um, they were playing with yeah, a few backup true. guards. I think if they're able to shore that up, then they, maybe they can get the running game going. But even then, yeah. it's not. If they if they didn't have as many turnovers, if Justin Jefferson holds onto the ball, reaching over the goal line, then they win the game. Um, yeah, it's as and the thing as is that. like, yeah, like you said, like you can definitely put an asterisk next to his uh, performance so far and. You know what? That's a, I, I'm gonna retract what I'm what I said about if they brought in Delvin Cook or if they, yada yada. I I'm gonna retract that because I I do actually agree with what you said. They took on two very very tough defensive lines, and hopefully Madison can turn that around then. Because if because think about it like this: if Madison going into the and sure Chargers not gonna get much easier, but if he can start to turn that season around that he's having, this could be a dangerous team again. This could be a really good team. We should probably move on. I would just say one more thing. I would just say I do think the Vikings, as as bad as they have been, I do think 
they will beat the Chargers, um, and that'll be yeah. rough for them. Um, if we could have a whole another segment on them, but we don't have time. Um, but I, I think that with the way they've been playing, they just need to keep things going, and they need to yeah. um, just try their best to continue to play this kind of brand of football without those crucial mistakes. Because if they can, they can they proved against the Eagles that they can beat pretty much anybody in the league. It's just that on certain nights, um, they don't have what it takes to win, which is the opposite of what it was last season, so they're going to have to fight a little bit harder for that. Um, yeah, we can move on to Seahawks-Lions, which is my favorite game of the week. I never had doubt in this team ever, guys. I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I had faith from the very beginning. Um, it was an amazing game for the Seahawks. Um, it's... Uh, a couple things that I noticed um, that jumped out for me when watching this game. Um, number one is that our offense was actually good. And we got more plays on our first play from scrimmage than in the entire second half uh, last week. So that made me really happy. Um, they Overall, like there wasn't too much to criticize on Seattle's side. Like... Um, the defense could obviously have played better letting up 31 points, but um, with all of the in, like the injuries to Tariq Woolen um, and then like still having Jamal Adams back, having Jamal Adams out, he's going to come back next week. Um, but even though we let up 31 points, like we still had like our pick six from Trey Brown. We had all of those great plays. Um, they rounded into form much better. Um, Devin Witherspoon looked really great, aside from a couple plays where he got beat, um, but just a rookie being a rookie, and I I don't know like as a as a Seahawks fan like it feels great, especially with all the hype that the Lions have had, um, coming off beating the Chiefs like as a Seahawks fan I just feel so much better um, about this than I did after that Rams game because after that Rams game I don't know if you guys could tell but I was a little bit worried. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was gonna I was gonna say after the segment we had a, last week on the Seahawks segment or the Seahawks game, we might have to introduce a trick play swear jar. But I think uh, I think uh, we'll be fine this week based on their performance. Uh, the yeah, I mean, I think this shouldn't be. Well, I won't say that. I was gonna say that uh, this should be the least surprising bounce back going into this second week. I think that the Seahawks, I don't know. It shouldn't be a surprise that they were able to bounce back. But saying that, at the same time, I feel like is kind of, I don't know. I'm stumbling all over my words here. They were able to beat a really good Lions team, and that's super impressive and definitely brings them back into the mix after that terrible week one. I think uh, if they can keep up what they were able to do well in this one, it'll definitely be able to keep on transferring into the rest of the season because there's not a lot of teams in the NFL right now better than the Lions. I think that uh, if they can keep the way they were, like obviously the O-line was great. They were able to hit Lockett a lot, which is something that we've seen, especially last year, we saw Geno rely on Lockett a lot. And uh, I think if they can keep that style of offense, in Seattle we have not had a lot of good O-lines, so hopefully they can take advantage of it this year. Yeah, and it was, I don't and know. It was with They're... their starting offensive tackles out. Shout out to yeah. Jake Curhan and Storm, Stone Forsyth um, for taking over for Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. 
We're going to see. I don't know if Charles Cross might come back. Abe Lucas is definitely still out, so we might see more of them next week. But they played really, really, really well. Um, yeah, if the, the biggest thing, I think, with this offense is just the consistent momentum. Kenneth Walker, while he didn't, like, this team just had so much more energy. Like, they, it felt a lot more... Um, well, it just felt less depressing. I, after the Rams game, it just, like, felt depressing the whole way through. Like, you can kind of, like, you know when a team is dead in the water. Like, I, they'd get the ball, and I would know that they weren't going to score. This team came out every single possession knowing what they needed to do, knowing they were going to score. And they, the Seahawks could have run away with this game even more. Well, obviously, they didn't run away with it because it went to overtime. Um, but the Seahawks... Um, had extra chances to get points on the board. They had Jason Myers miss two field goals. They had a, their biggest issue a bunch of times. They got down the field and couldn't convert um, the their chances into touchdowns, um, having to settle for those field goal attempts. If they can clean that up and start executing a little bit more, then I think this team can be pretty scary good. But it's kind of the thing, it's like, which Seahawks team are we going to see, and why was that week one performance so bad? Like, that's that's what scares me. It's because it's, it's very Jekyll and Hyde. The Seahawks team that I watched this Sunday was not the same Seahawks team I watched a week ago, and that's what kind of scares me a little bit, just knowing that that's Yeah, and maybe you exists. can... Maybe you can put a little bit on that, just, like, coming out slow out of training camp. Like, uh... For that week one performance, like there's, we've seen good teams struggle in week one before. Like uh, another example that we'll talk about in a bit, the Bengals, another great team that struggled in week one. They also struggled in week two, but they're one that I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see bounce back. And uh, I don't know. I I think it's a good sign for the Seahawks. Uh, obviously, we'll have to see what happens in week three. I I don't think it's that big of a sign for anything what, that we should expect about the Lions. I still think they'll be a great team. I think uh, I think they'll continue to be a really, really hard team to beat in the NFC. I think that this is just two really good teams just running into each other, and one had to come out on top. Yeah. And uh, I, from what I heard, it sounded like the Lions underplayed a little bit as well. I think uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think uh, it's a little bit too early in the season to be making any predictions about either the Seahawks or the Lions, just based on their first two performances. Um. So who knows? Who knows? I think we should move on. I think we should yeah. move on to the next. I'll I'll say I'll say one one more one more point about the Lions just really quick. Um, it was very interesting to see the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell um, firsthand because I've always seen I I've seen it um, more so going against other teams just watching the Lions casually, and it was backfiring for him. Um, I believe they went for it three times and only got it once. And a lot of the times they were giving up points to do that. In a game that went to overtime, um, obviously you don't want to see that happen. Simon, what's your thoughts about being aggressive, going for it on 4th and 2, 4th and 3, 4th and 4, I think was the longest that they went on, um, at around like the 40, 50-yard line? Hmm. Just as a well, philosophy Well, it depends if you're talking general. about... <laughs> Just as a philosophy de- in general. Yeah, it depends on if you're asking... Regular football, Simon, or Madden, Simon? Regular, when it comes to Madden, fourth and Simon. 20, we no, dive no, in no, that no, thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, real football, real football. We talking football? Nah. 
Nah, not 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 at the middle of the field. It depends on the situation, but I think, uh, and it definitely shows how confident Dan Campbell is in his defense, which is always a good thing, especially as a coach when you're able to show how much confidence you have in your squad. So I would not call it a bad thing, and I don't necessarily disagree with the philosophy, but I think uh, the risk really has to be decided because I think when you're at the fifty, it's you're really. That's a rough place to loot turnover the ball in any situation, right? Especially when you have the opportunity to punt it. I think a fourth and one, maybe, that's fair. Because then you can just, like, a, try and get a QB run across the middle, right? But when you're fourth and four on the 50, that's just so tough. That's such a tough situation to be in. Because, of course, you can put it in Jared Goff's hands or you can try and get just really anything. But, I don't know, it's... It's, like, I'm going to keep saying this over and over. It's so risky. And I, you really do just got to measure the risk and reward. I think, for me, where it changes is once you get over the other team's 40 is when I'd start to be a bit more willing to take some risks, which obviously you're risking losing three points at that point. But I think the potential of getting seven kind of evens it out a little bit. So I think that's where my philosophy would start to change once you get into the other team's half. But... When you're on your own or in your own half, it's just that's such a rough play. How about you? Yeah, I am. I'm generally more on the side of being aggressive. Like, I always get mad at Pete Carroll because he is one of the least aggressive coaches in the NFL, and he'll take a fourth and one on like the opponent's forty and just punt it away. <laughs> um, but it really did come back to bite the Lions in this game. Um, because I can, I can definitely say that if they hadn't, um, gone for it on those plays, then we probably would have lost the kick a couple field goals and we, um, aren't able to take the game into overtime. Um, it's the kind of, it's, it's the kind of thing that's interesting and it's hard to fault Dan Campbell for it when it's the kind of thing that won him the game against Kansas city with a fake punt inside his own like 20 yard line. That Um, one was ballsy. Yeah. That, which was even more ballsy than any, any of the ones here. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, it's interesting just, just because you see, you see it with other coaches. It's like Brandon Staley on the chargers. It's becoming a trend. Um, but just watching it in this game, um, got me thinking about it a little bit because if I'm a Detroit fan, yeah. I have to be, I, I mean, maybe you want, you like the aggressiveness overall, but you have to be a little bit peeved that they didn't just take the points in some of those situations. Um, but with that, we'll yeah, move for sure. And that's, that's totally fair too. Like, I think that's just the risk you take when you roll the dice on those yeah. fourth downs. We should move on. We'll move on. So to, we can do uh, that. Giants Cardinals. Um, yeah. So for Giants Cardinals, um, I think that the, after, after the performance last week by the Giants, people thinking, okay, they're going up against the worst team in the NFL. They're going to be able to bounce back. And then they find themselves down 28-7, to even though they managed to come back. And if they hadn't, I don't know where that would leave them. Um, even though they managed to come back with a Saquon Barkley injury um, that's going to have him out for three weeks, um, what is your opinion on the Giants so far this season, Simon? I don't know. I'm still – I'm going to continue to be high on them because I think – there has to be some sort of early season jitters that are involved there. Like, I think they're maybe still trying to find their identity as a group. So I wouldn't be surprised. That's another team that I wouldn't be surprised. 
My two teams for this for next week that I wouldn't be surprised to see it bounce back would be the Bengals and the Giants. I will say that. I think that, um, and like you said, despite the Giants still winning the game and making that comeback, I it's so rough to even be in that position against a team like the Cardinals. That's tough. Like, that's a tough position to be in. And when you're looking at a, as a fan or even just as in the management for that team, you have to really wonder what you are trying to get out of the season if you are the Giants. Because I think going into the year, everybody, including me, when we were doing our predictions, thought that the Giants would be very, very solid. Like, I think, obviously, Daniel Jones got signed to a massive extension, so the Giants thought that too. They had a lot of trust in the group they have. So I think it'll just depend on whether they can turn things around going into the rest of the season. So far, things aren't looking too good, though. No, and it's the kind of thing where I just get so alarmed if I see what I saw where you have Joshua Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals torching your secondary. Um, I wasn't able to watch the full game, but watching some of the the highlights, it was just effortless. Um, They the Cardinals were looking like one of the best offenses in the NFL with the way they methodically moved down the field, scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, and, like, there were... This this game, like, New York is very lucky to have come away with the win. There was a couple... I'm, I'm pretty sure there was, like... Um, the, the Cardinals had a uh, possession in the second half that went into New York territory uh, that got called back because of a penalty. They could have easily kicked a field goal on that. Um... I don't know. Looking, you say, <clears throat> you say the Giants might bounce back next week, but uh, do you know who they're playing next week, Simon? I do not. I said that I, in my head. I was even thinking that I really hope they're playing an easy opponent. <laughs> they are playing in prime time the San Francisco Forty ers Oh, terrific! Okay. <laughs> so, uh. um, I, I do not have high hopes. I'm thinking. With I this kind of start and just seeing <laughs> just seeing how poorly they're playing, um, they're playing terribly against good competition. They are playing like I, I could have dismissed the Dallas game as a fluke, but when you uh, let an Arizona team, even with that comeback, um, put up this amount of numbers on you, <laughs> then it has to be a concern. Um, do you want to know what their next four games are, Simon? You tell me if you think they're winning any of these. I'm not, did I did I make a dumb prediction? Perhaps <laughs> is that perhaps <laughs> they are playing oh, San Francisco. <laughs> then they're playing the Seahawks. Then they play Miami. Okay. Then they play the Bills. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Well, sticking to my guns, Giants going four and zero on that stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it happen, though. Watch. Watch it happen. Watch me be right. <laughs> Just you well, wait. It'll happen. Watch me be right when I don't even think I'm going to be right. Simon is going to prove Simon wrong. Okay, <laughs> we should move on. We we can move on past that one. I think that's all that needed to be said <laughs> about yeah. that one. We can move on to Commando Commanders. I nearly said Commandos. <laughs> That'd be a way cooler name. Commanders versus Broncos. What do you think? Okay, so, I mean, Broncos, it's just, it, obviously the Broncos, ever since the Russell Wilson trade, have been a bit of a train wreck, um, a bit directionless. I attributed a lot of that to Nathaniel Hackett, 
Um, but now an zero and two start, it's a little bit like what's what's happening. Um, we both predicted the Broncos to do really well, um, and losing the first two games of the season against relatively subpar opponents in the Raiders and Commanders, you start to get some concern. Now, my thing with this game is um, that the Broncos played very well to start off um, the game. They they went up to like a 21-7, I believe it was, lead. The offense was playing really well. Um, Russ was getting guys like Marvin Mims involved. They had these long touchdowns that finally looked like Russ was being Russ again. Um, and then they just stalled out. And this defense that was it's normally been, um, talked about it last week when we were recapping week one, where they held the Raiders to 18 points and lost. Um, the Broncos did their part and put up 33 points, and they still lost to the Commanders. Um, it's one of those games where if you're a Broncos fan, you have to think, what do we have to do to just get a win? Because this poor franchise has just been snake-bitten into the ground after trading for Russell Wilson. But when the offense finally comes to life, the defense that has been so consistently good um, lets the commanders back into it, and then the offense dries up again. Um, the, the Broncos fans just have to be one of the most depressed fan bases in the NFL, especially after the play that ended the game. What are your thoughts on the final couple plays, Simon? Well, first off, and we, we talked about it a little bit because this was one of the games that I missed. So I, you actually had me go back, look it up on my phone. I had seen it before, but I'd forgotten about it. And uh, the first thing that I said to you was that I think that it is very much a backyard football play. It's one of those things pops off somebody's hands because they can't catch and then just gets fly, flying all over the place and someone eventually grabs it. Insane play. Insane play. The Broncos were lucky to get it there. Then they get put in a position where they need to score two points and Russ can't get it. And that... I mentioned to this to you before as well, where I'm starting to just think that Russell Wilson might be the single most un- least clutch quarterback in the NFL <laughs> since going to the Broncos. Because I feel like we've seen him in this position a couple times, whether it's like, it can be at any point in the game, and he'll just struggle whether it's on the goal line, whether it's on like, whether it's on anything. He just struggles to get that last thing. And you could say whatever you want about the touchdown. I'd call it lucky. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I'd attribute that to Clutch, but uh, I don't know. I I, the, I think the more interesting thing here, though, because we've already talked a bit about the Broncos, I think we should talk a bit about, a bit about the Commanders, who are now 2-0. and Definitely not a team that either of us would have predicted to go 2-0. and What do you think about their, now that we're starting to get more into the meat and potatoes of the uh, season after this week, what do you think about their, like, just playoff chances, because now we've seen the Giants struggling a little bit. Like, There's well, going to be a bit of room in that NFC division. It's going to be... I don't think they're... <coughs> I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, you don't think so? I don't think this 2-0 start is indicative of very much, um, because they're playing a Broncos team that beat themselves, and they're playing the Cardinals. Um, I think most teams in the NFL could get two wins out of that. Um, it's the kind of thing where... Like, are the 0-2 Bengals worse than the 2-0 Commanders? <laughs> I don't really think so. Yes! Um, even with how <laughs> poorly the Bengals have been playing to start the season. Um, there's a reason that I have doubts in the Commanders. Like, Sam Howell, I think, has played about what I expected. Um, has had some good moments. 
um, has had some like clutch moments like he's been good in tight games tight situations but he hasn't quite proven to me that he's the kind of quarterback that can win the tough games um obviously because he hasn't had hasn't had any tough opponents yet um but it's the kind of roster that i look at and i and i see how closely they're playing teams like the cardinals and the broncos and i'm thinking um a 2-0 start when you start playing the rest of that division when you start playing um, the Cowboys start playing the Eagles, start playing everybody, then you're going to start to see some losses starting to pile up and plays like this, that amazing, um, I, don't, I, I don't know if you saw it, Simon, but there was an amazing Terry McLaurin catch in the end zone where he just like leapfrogged over two people. Uh, yeah, if you're playing like Ooh. the Dallas secondary, that's not going to fly. That's going to be picked off. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing where I'm looking forward to... Um, and when I'm looking forward to the rest of their schedule, I'm I'm looking at it. Let, let's let's see what they have. I I don't. Next week they have the Bills. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be a test. If they uh, Bills and then Eagles, so those two games are really going to show us who they are. If they can steal one of those or even lose both yeah. but play them close, I will have a lot more um, faith in them. Yeah, obviously a good because that's two rough games. Yeah. Good to see them go 2-0. and I'm glad to see a good start for those fans with a new ownership group. Hopefully they can get reinvested in their team after a terrible yeah. few, like, past couple decades. Um, oh, yeah. I think uh, if any if anybody's winning in the first two weeks, it's the Commanders. They've had a hell of a first two weeks as a fan base. Good for them as well. They deserve it. But, yeah, uh, they really do. I think, uh, yeah, we can move on if you're ready to do, to do that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to the last one. We'll talk really quickly about this last one. Um, this one doesn't need a whole lot of discussion because um, I think the the actual game itself is less interesting than the storylines around it. Um, which is what yeah, is ha- Simon? Sure. What is happening to the Bengals? And do and do you care? <laughs> <laughs> well, you asking you're asking me what's happening with the Bengals. I don't know if I have an answer for that. It it has been rough. I think that there's a lot of things to blame. I I don't know. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. One of the things that uh, I that isn't doesn't seem to be getting talked about as much is just how bad their rushing defense has been. The focus has mainly been on the offense, but the number I have in front of me is over the last two weeks. And obviously, facing the Ravens and the Browns, you're gonna struggle in the rushing department. But when you're giving up 384 yards, that's five yards per carry. You're gonna you're gonna struggle to win games, and that's something that they've struggled in. So if they can figure that out, they can figure out this offense. They're still a great team. I think that they can, they should be able to turn it around. Like it's their zero and two start is, it's rough, but it shouldn't be a sign of, I don't know, regression or, it just it doesn't make any sense, frankly. It's, yeah. It is really strange, and the thing is, the Ravens is not an embarrassing team to lose against. No, like not they at are all. a good team in their own right. But uh, I don't think, if you had asked me before the season, I would not have picked the Ravens, if that makes sense. It's, it's the type of thing where I think we all just expected way more from the Bengals, especially with all the talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. And Who like, knows? We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, looking at that offense in particular, like you wonder how much Joe Burrow's calf injury that he had in the preseason is affecting him. Because he came out after the game and said that his calf had been flaring up. Um, so who knows, he might not 
I don't, I don't know how bad it is. I don't know if it's I, enough I to thought keep him I was hearing game. that. I thought I was hearing that he limped off the field after the game, but I couldn't. Yeah, I think I think he did. I think that's right. Um, and you wonder how much you wonder how, if that was just a reaggravation or if it's been nagging him the whole time because he has not been playing well. Um, Bengals fans were no, booing yeah. booing this Bengals offense um, because in this first half, like they could not get going. They put up twenty four points and kept it close, but that's mostly with um, a couple touchdown drives coming later in the game. Um, when they started passing short and moving the ball down the field a little bit more efficiently. Um, but it's like this Bengals offense with the names they have, with Joe Burrow being the highest paid player in the NFL, with the receiving core they have, that's probably the best in the NFL. Um, you do expect a lot more. And um, the schedule doesn't get that much easier going up against the Rams, who... Um, while initially seemed like a bad team as a Seahawks fan, I can say um, with relative certainty that they've actually been pretty good. They played the Niners close too, so I don't think their performance is a fluke. Um, it's a primetime game, and I'm going to be watching every minute of it because I am very intrigued to see how this Bengals team does because um, not only are they 0-2, but they're 0-2 against divisional opponents. And... Um, they if they lose this next game and Joe Burrow is hurt, um, and and with how competitive the AFC is, I don't know. We could be we could be watching a season where the Bengals miss the playoffs. I don't think it'll happen, but it's on the table now more than it's ever been. Yeah, and it is it is crazy, especially excuse me the talks we were having before the season about how good the Bengals had the potential to be. Didn't I believe you had them going to the Super Bowl. Which should really winning the Super Bowl. Re- winning the Super Bowl. That which should really just show how high the hopes were for this entire team. I yeah, I I don't know. It's we'll have to see cuz like you said the 49ers are no slouch. They are as good as any team can get in this in the NFL this year. So it'll be tough. Yeah, but uh, we, with that, I can I can say that we actually did it. We were able to finish an NFL segment in under forty minutes. Oh, oh, under forty minutes. Let me let me let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. I will pose a question. Yeah, just we're to... we're floating. We're floating here. Okay. <laughs> under forty minutes. Okay, I want to <laughs> pose the last. <laughs> if I don't die of a coughing fit, I would pose one. <laughs> Christ. Um, one more question to you, Simon. Out of we've talked about a bunch yeah. of zero and two teams, out of the three zero, uh, uh, well let's, let's say four, out of the four zero and two teams that we had expectations for this year, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Vikings. Which one, if any, do you think is the most likely to make the playoffs? It's Bengals, Broncos, Chargers, and who else did you say? Vikings. I don't have the list in front of me. Vikings. Vikings. I don't know. That's tough. I I think it's it's either going to be Bengals or it's going to be Chargers for sure. Those are the two most talented ones. But we'll just have to see how much Joe Burrow's calf injury continues to yeah. like hurt him. Yeah. Cuz that's going to be the thing that make or makes or breaks this season for him. But we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. We are still under 40 minutes. We did it. Woo! Ooh. We can talk about things that aren't football now. Let's go. 
So probably the biggest news going on in the NHL side of things and just in general is it's a pretty crazy situation, I think, is uh, Mike Babcock, coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, resigned after, uh, I don't know, I don't even know where to start on this entire thing because it felt like it bounced back and forth on how just in general the situation looked. Like there's a lot of different takes on it. Like some, we got some veterans coming out and saying it wasn't that bad. We have younger players coming back going, no, it was that bad. It's just uh, the whole thing is pretty interesting. I'm curious what your position on it is, just mainly because, I mean, it really depends on just your whole coaching philosophy at the end of the day. Because Babcock, while he said that he had changed his ways, as he did at that pre- the opening press conference, it's starting to look like he hasn't with uh, this whole controversy, obviously. And it really does just depend on how, like, uh, they're, like with what I think you said, Johnny Goudreau was the one who said it. So we can check that. But uh, just saying that the only photos he wanted to see was family photos, which when I heard that, I thought that's perfectly fine. Like, that's a perfectly fine ask, right? Because he just wants to get to know the players. Makes sense. What it's starting to sound like is he wanted to see more photos and just go through players' personal phones, which is where a line was definitely crossed. I'm curious what your opinion on this entire situation is. It's just not shocking that it's that Mike Babcock was the one to do this. Um, we talked about it before with him being hired as the coach of Columbus. It's just such a um, stupid decision by the people in charge over there. Um, at this point, he has such a bad track record with um, everything that's come out from players that have been under him um, and just the culture of like verbal abuse and... Um, just all the the terrible things that he um, would do to his players, and it's just like that's not gonna fly um, in a modern NHL. That's more that's less about um, motivating players by um, just making sure they feel like they're gonna die if they lose or play poorly. <laughs> um, that just doesn't. That's not a good way to coach anymore. Um, because it, it, it is what it is. It is abuse. And um, talking about this this whole phone situation, um, obviously all the players have a right to privacy. And there there is a fine line between what Babcock and all the older players were saying they were doing. Obviously, as you pointed out, like if it's if it's just seeing family photos and um, and like showing that off to the team or whatever to get to know them better, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have a coach going through your phone and, like, having full access to it, and I, I, who knows what the full um, breadth of, of we'll that probably was. Never know. We'll probably never know. And you almost wonder, I, I don't want to go too far into speculation into this because it's obviously um, a serious thing, but since he resigned, you wonder how much of that is just getting ahead of the issue um, before more comes out and it makes it inevitably worse um, for him. Um, it's just, it the is... The thing I don't... The suspicious thing I think about the entire thing from the start was that it's not... Because what I think, the, and the main difference was, when I when this whole thing came out and uh, Boone Jenner's comments and Johnny Goudreau's comments came out, was that they made it sound like he just wanted to see family photos, which... In my head, what I thought was that he just had the team send family photos, right? That sounds like a perfectly innocent thing. 
right? Like in my head, whenever when I heard that the first time, I was thinking to myself, like that actually sounds like a good idea. Just like get to know the team, get to know the team's families, right? Like just in general, it seems like a pretty decent like uh, thing to do as a coach. But I don't know if he was just like grabbing their phones and just going, "Show me your photos." That's I, that's a whole that's a whole different boundary crossing. So uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him in the NHL again. I think yeah, that uh, I, this hiring was already very shocking when it happened. This is the nail in the coffin. If there wasn't a nail before, they put us they put one in now. He, he's done. Yeah. So Paul Paul Bissonette was the one who came out with the original accusations on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Um, and so to get the more specifics on what actually supposedly happened um, was that Babcock would take a player's phone um, and then he would show their pictures um, on the camera ro- on their camera roll via airplay on like on the big screen. I think for I think for the rest of the team, um, <clears throat> and there there's. Like, like doing that, just scrolling through a player's entire camera roll, that's obviously a personal line that's been crossed. And doing it to the whole team, it's this kind of, like, embarrassment in front of the group thing that Babcock is like, been known for doing in the past, especially with, like, the Mitch Marner stuff, where he had Marner rank his teammates by work ethic and then presented that list to the teammates. I don't know what the goal is there, but it's, like, that public embarrassment part of it, um, I don't know. It's it's not a great look, and I, I completely agree. Like, um, if I considering that he resigned from it, and if there's more information that comes out about it, I think Babcock's coaching coaching days are clearly over. I'm surprised they weren't already. Um, surprised that Columbus hired him in the first place, um, <clears throat> but with how much of a disaster this was. I don't think he's ever coming back. Um, another thing, um, according to ESPN, the NHL, the NHLPA is currently investigating. So we talk a lot about, like, we're, we're talking a lot about this in terms of speculation because we don't know what happened. We can't accurately make yeah. judgments on it because we weren't there in the room. We don't know what it was. We can only go up based off of what other people said. Um, but the NHLPA is currently investigating it. Um, and according to ESPN, what Bissonette said, which is what I just went through, with the go, taking the player's phone, going on the camera roll, projecting it up on the wall, apparently the NHLPA thinks that that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, And remember that this yeah. has only been two months. It's been two months and this has already happened. That's It just goes to show um, what a disaster um, of a coach Mike Babcock truly is. Um, at least at this point. Yeah. And I remember when we talked about it, I, uh, I, I remember saying that I still think that uh, a version of that tough coaching can work in the NHL, but I think this is going to be, the like I said, nail in the coffin. I, like, it's, the funny thing is, like, there was a little bit in, in me that really wanted to believe that, and this is just, like, this is the people can change, like, part in everybody, right? Like, I really wanted to believe that Mike Babcock could still be a good coach because... For, because think about it like this, like, for most of, like, both of our, like, childhoods, when you think of a good hockey coach, you think Babcock, especially in that 2010s, 2000s, that's, he was the Olympic coach, he coached Detroit to multiple, multiple, like, uh, Stanley Cups. I think uh, what we're starting to learn now is just that, 
I don't know. <laughs> well, not even starting to learn. He's done. It's done. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't think the system is going to fly in the NHL anymore. I think uh, players just are demanding a lot more respect in the locker room. And uh, if the era of, if that era wasn't already over 10 years ago, you can definitely say that it ended yesterday. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where um, you talk about how it's in today's day and age and this culture specifically that that style of coaching doesn't fly anymore. And I think that is a good thing. Um, You can talk about how, um, like, it's hockey, it's very much a sport where um, the prevailing belief is that people just need to toughen up and like take whatever they can get you know like in the physicality part of it um you get a couple teeth knocked out you like stop the bleeding a little bit and then get back out there for your next shift um but i think that it is great that that's not being accepted anymore in terms of the mental side of it um because it takes a toll on these players um we talked about um what happened with johan franzen um where Babcock just would continually verbally abuse him, and it took such a toll on him. He was having, like, a breakdown on the bench. Um, That's just not, like, we watch these players every day, they get so much money, and you just assume that it's the greatest thing in the world. But at the end of the day, these people, they're still people. Um, They still have emotions and feelings and families, and... As important as it is to win games, um, it's even more important um, that these players are respected as the people that they are. And yeah, Babcock, and that... Babcock put the winning first. He won Stanley Cups. Um, he pushed his players as, hard, as far as they could go. Um, but I think what we're learning now is that he didn't respect them. And in any case, anywhere, I don't think that's acceptable. No, not at all. And uh, I think the big story that I'm seeing a lot of big news sites picking up regarding this is that it, it all just comes back to the whole what what's the word I don't I don't want to mentality is not the word I'm looking for it'll come back to me but the whole like uh, just how cu- culture that's what it comes back the whole hockey culture and how uh, we're just gonna it's it's um it's truly messed up like uh, as. I can definitely say that as somebody who grew up in it. And uh, it goes all through all the levels. Like, with this type of Babcock coaching and just the treatment of players, treatment of coaches, treatment of everybody involved, just, like, the in general, just how everything is handled is just incredibly poor and it needs to change. Truthfully, I think it probably has needed to change for a long time. And it's a, and it's a topic that's coming up a lot more often now with just how... When even as a young hockey player, you're trained to put, be willing to put your body on the line to win a game. Like I remember being like nine, thinking that I had to throw my like tiny, <laughs> tiny body in front of all of these slap shots from all these nine-year-olds who are six-two or whatever the hell, right? Like it's the type of thing where you're just not. It's not something that should be the case because it, it's not really the same in a lot of sports. The play-through injuries, the all of that it's not it doesn't it doesn't fly in those sports but for some reason it's something that's such an old like uh mentality to have from like 
you'd you'd picture that in like really old like football like 60s 70s football where injuries didn't exist you were faking it to get out of the game like stuff like that right like you know what i mean like it's this shouldn't be it shouldn't still fly in hockey but for some reason it does and it goes through all the levels so uh i think this is a good sign in the right direction for hockey as a whole i think uh with babcock gone i think uh we're going to actually start to see more and more action taken, which is definitely a good thing. I think uh, I think it's been a well-known... It's been a well-known thing going on for a while, though. I don't think this is new. No, it's definitely not new. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was, it was even more prevalent before, but what's new is people speaking out, of it, speaking out about it. Um, <clears throat> and if everything that has been said is true, props to... Um, Paul Bissonette and everybody for um, speaking out about it and all the players that did, whether they spoke out in public or spoke out to the NHLPA, um, like all the respect in the world to them. Because um, again, well, obviously you want to win, you want to do everything that you can to win. Um, like getting that Stanley Cup is the ultimate goal or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you still have to put yourself first at the end of the day. Um, and just in terms of your mental health, in terms of your physical health. Um, and I think, and because people can come back with, um, all sort whatever retorts they want. But I think if you are respected, you're going to want to play better. And I hope we start to see that. And I hope this, this style of coaching that, um, just favors pounding their players into the ground um, in order to motivate them becomes more of a thing of the past than something we continue to have to keep calling out. Yeah, and it really is weird that, or I guess not weird. Because, like, I can say growing up in that sort of system, like, I've played under coaches like that, where I always thought that, as much as I hated the coach's guts, right, like, you, you grow to hate, like, somebody who treats you like that, you can also acknowledge the fact that it works, because there's a lot of times where I can say that when playing under that system, it did work. But there's also a lot of times where I've been on winning teams that didn't have that, and I had a way better time. Yeah. <laughs> it's safe to say that everybody, like, uh, it's it's just an overall way better environment to be around when you can be, like, as, like, as highly as, looking back on it now, there are a few coaches that do it well, and I can say that I still respect them, but there's there's a fine line when you're doing that and it's we're seeing over and over and over again that those coaches in the nhl who try and practice that stuff cannot figure out where that line is and i can say that i can in my memory for the for the 15 years i've played hockey competitively for the most part i have had one coach be able to actually walk that line well mm -hmm. past that and i've played under a lot of coaches who were dicks <laughs> Like, uh, like, uh, I can think of one who actually was able to walk it well, and I respect him for it. But, uh, and we, we did win because of that system. But it really does show the risk you are taking. And I think coaches will start to really look at that as a lot bigger of a risk running that type of system. Yeah. And I completely agree. I think it's a good point that you make that it is in line. Because it's not like coaching with discipline can't exist. Um, it's just about respect because there's a line between yeah. um, having discipline and going through your players' phones and projecting it on the wall. Um, you know what? 
I one thing that I want to make clear because uh, I think I think the and you want to know where the line is if we're going to try and set it. It's the difference between discipline that has a reason behind it and discipline that doesn't. Yeah. Because I think uh, the coach that I that I respected playing under who played with like the type that type of system. When we lost, we skated. When we didn't lose, we didn't. It's as simple as that. Like when you win, you don't get yelled at. When you lose, you get yelled at. Right? That's where the line is. Like if you can at the end of the day go home and you can go, okay, we had to skate lines because we lost. We sucked. We didn't skate hard enough. All these things. If you are able to at the end of the day be able to put a reason behind why you're doing it, then you can buy into the system. But the second that you are just skating lines because the coach woke up on the wrong side of the bed or, like, just something like that, it's just that's where that's where it goes out the window. And that's where we're st- starting to see, like, we're starting to see the issue here because Babcock, if what they're saying is true, obviously, it's all who knows. But if what they're saying is true about him just, like, and even with the Mitch Marner thing where they, he really, what did Mitch Marner do to deserve having to, make that list and show it to the entire dressing room like there's no it it just logically makes no sense right like yeah i think there just has to be logic behind the discipline at the end of the day yeah and i completely agree and i think that's that is a common thread in all of the 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 babcock thing is because logic behind the discipline also includes not going too far because there's um there's a there's a certain limit to where um, the punishment is more severe than um, what you did to deserve it, right? Like, um, and when you're thinking about what happened with the Blue Jackets, he's been there for two months and they haven't played any games. Um, so if he's doing it to embarrass the players, I don't get what the point is. Um, no. Yeah. And it's maybe just... it's like a... Yeah. No, I, w- I was going to say maybe it's just as simple as like didn't skate hard enough in practice, but even that... Like, with the phones, there's no excuse. No, there isn't. There's no... It's it's so bonkers. Like, because I can say that, like, I've had... Whenever, like, the this type of coaching style has come into, like, a team that I've been on, it's always been, like, even on the worst sides, the coaches that I just didn't respect, even with, like, the verbal, like, you can call it verbal abuse. Like, it's never gone to the point where you'd... Like, you'd get a phone taken. That's so... Because while you... The one thing that I've always had been able to say I've had is privacy. And that's something that Babcock allegedly took away in this situation, which is just ridiculous. It's it's something that should never... No matter in... It, it shouldn't be taken away under any form of discipline. It doesn't matter what the player did. That's not under Babcock's right as a coach to do. It's just... I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think... Like, I you can try and reason, like, give whatever reason you want behind what he said or what he did. Like, I think this is probably one of the things where it's it's just tough because I can't even put myself in Babcock's head and try and figure out why he'd want to, like, go through a player's phone. It just doesn't, it doesn't stick, right? So, I don't know. That, that's as much. I, I've rambled enough on this topic. I, I, know, I knew going into it I'd have a lot to say on it as a whole, but... Uh, we can we can end it off there, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so the common motto is third times the charm," and normally that's for like if you miss a basketball shot, 
or like I don't know, you mess literally anything else up. Oh, third time's the charm. Um, not normally when uh, you're talking about yeah. <laughs> multi-billion-dollar uh, sports franchises, which the NHL has decided apparently. Well, maybe we should look back at the the city that has been unable to keep an NHL franchise for two times, um, which is that's like you know what that's like you know what it. You you bring it up like that, I'm gonna immediately run to a joke. But it just instantly just makes me think of like somebody's uncle just going like I'm gonna start up a business three times in a row in like twenty years, go bankrupt bankrupting himself twice before. <laughs> like it's like it is it's it's a nuts thing. It's we talked about it a bit beforehand and. Uh, I, I don't understand it at all. There's there's better options. Hell, Seattle. <laughs> like, uh, that's another one. We talked about Quebec first. That was the one that we mainly talked about because, uh, obviously, the Quebec City Nordiques, they have been wanting a... They've been, people have been wanting them to go back to Quebec since they have left. And uh, Seattle's just another one. Oh, no, they have a team. What am I talking about? I'm so <laughs> Simon tired. I forgot the crack. I'm thinking is. basketball. <laughs> God, I was oh. I was gonna say something. Okay, and I my... was waiting to see where you were going with that. <laughs> oh. This is what happens when Simon doesn't get caffeine. Um. Oh no, nobody! I got caffeine. This is what happens when Simon's been attached to a live mic for twelve to- or twelve hours over the last three days. Okay, um, I don't know. <laughs> Name another team place other than Quebec okay, that, so... and it would probably be better than Atlanta. Yeah. It's just, just to just to, to give more context to it too. Um, the NHL recently came out. I think it it was it was like a week ago now. Um, it was like just after we recorded the last one that um, Bill Daly, NHL Deputy Commissioner, he came out and said, um, like basically we're optimistic that if we were to bring bring a franchise back to Atlanta again. Um, that we'd have better success than we had with both the Flames and like the eight, the seventies or eighties or whatever it was before they moved yep. to Calgary, and then the Thrashers 70s. obviously in the two thousands and um, the going into the very early twenty tens. Um, very very interesting because yeah, again, obviously you bring up a bunch of teams, um, minus Seattle. That could hold Minus their, their their own <laughs> NHL franchise, and it it's just so weird to me because I don't think I've ever seen a city get so many opportunities to have an NHL franchise, um, to have a franchise in any sport and fail. Because normally, if you have a franchise, um, and it folds, like maybe they'll get it back down the line, um, like Winnipeg, again from the Thrashers, yep. Um, but it's not like Winnipeg's going to relocate anytime soon. For it to happen twice and come back a third time, that's unprecedented in, I think, any sport, um, especially in you the also, modern context. You also have to think about the success they had last time. As much as Daly wants to talk about how he thinks that, uh, and how the NHL thinks that they'll have a lot more success in Atlanta, I think uh, you really do just have to... History, there is a lot to be said about what has happened in the past, even if they want to just immediately toss it away. Quebec, they were that team was good. They were very good for a long time in the like 80s and a little bit of the 90s. I think uh, 
Hell, something that you pointed out to me that I kind of forgot about. They won the first year they moved. Uh, they moved right over to Colorado. It's it's just crazy. Like uh, the fact that they lost their team in the first place is nuts. They sure you could say whatever you want about small market, but those Quebec fans are so passionate that they can fill an arena. Yeah. Like uh, I I don't know. It's just so strange to me. I think it at the end of the day it does come down to the big conspiracy that Batman hates Canada. I think uh, <laughs> I think uh, there's they just don't want to move another team to Canada, which obviously there's reasons for that, which are fair, but uh, I don't know. I feel like at a certain point, you can throw a team in Atlanta all you want. Quebec knows what to <laughs> Quebec knows that you're just avoiding talking to them. Yeah. Because, hell, even in America, there's probably better options, right? Like, there has to be. Like, off the top of my head, I can't think of, like... Houston. I can't really think of many. Houston, yeah, perfect. Literally, first one you said. Perfect. <laughs> Houston, Because that came, they, that's maybe? come up in conversations before in terms of cities that could have a team. Um, Houston's yeah. a big one. Um, I'm sure you can get a, a list of a bunch of other cities. Um, like oh, you sure. You can have another in California. Maybe you put one in, like, San Diego or something. Um mm. They have enough. They have enough. They lost. The, they yeah. lost their chargers. Maybe they need something else. Um, but it's just like I guess for an experiment to have been done so many times and for it to have failed that many times, um, as the as the not not only um, have they been moved away from Atlanta twice, but it's the most recent relocation in the NHL, right? Um, it so is. Yep. You would immediately relocate a team away. And then bring them back. Um, obviously, it's been like it is it, really Obviously, it's been like 10, yeah. 15 years at this point, because um, I believe it was like right in twenty ten. So, it's it's been it's uh, been a while. I think twenty eleven. Okay, so it's been it's been a little bit more than ten year years. Um, but do you really yeah. think that um, anything will change? Um, I don't know. The the comment I don't I don't remember if you brought it. And even. And even if you want to make the argument that it will, do you really want to give it back to Atlanta before trying something else yeah. first? Are you that out of other options? And it feels like almost like there the has fans to be are spoiled else. there. Like even if you are a hockey fan at Atlanta, a little bit. Um, like I and and you make the point about Quebec. It's like there's certain teams that have left, um, and the culture still exists around them. Um, I've seen it with living in Vancouver now. I see it with the Vancouver Grizzlies. Um, so many people still wear Grizzlies stuff. There's a big culture trying to get them back here. Um, there's stuff with um, you. Oh, I had another example in my head, and now I've lost it. But even talking about like Quebec, um, uh, Qu- what Quebec crap? I'm gonna get bullied for this. Quebec baseball team. Name the name. Oh, Montreal Expos for a million dollars. Montreal Expos. There you go. Um, there was yeah. another one that I. I another Quebec example. There was another one that I had, but there's there's so many um, of these teams that still have oh Seattle SuperSonics that was going to be the other one. Um, oh, there they you still go. have yeah, a culture around that team, and it's like it's such an obvious move to bring them back. That's not the Thrashers. I don't think I've seen anybody. I mean, I don't think <laughs> I've seen seen anybody in a Thrashers jersey um, or any sort of Thrashers. Can I just previously? But there's no been no talk about it from anybody. I have seen. I have seen people talk about it, but you want to hear the funny thing? It's completely as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> because in, like, the past couple of years, I've seen people 
like whether it's just like jokingly like doing something on YouTube where like what if the Thrashers never left or like something like that. It's generally just to make fun of how terrible of a franchise the Thrashers were. Like obviously we could talk about the Atlanta Flames. They weren't very successful either. But I think it would not be a very big stretch to say that the Thrashers were way worse. Like it's I guess I don't know enough about the Atlanta Flames to really be saying that, but when I think of a failed franchise, and I mean, like, absolutely terrible, and we've had a couple in the NHL's history that have just absolutely sucked, the Thrashers really stick out like a sore thumb because a lot of those teams that they'd be competing with are from, like, those early expansion eras in the 60s and early 70s where there was teams coming in and dropping like flies. I think, uh, I don't know, the Thrashers are the only other, like, recent team in memory that actually can, like, hold a candle regarding, like, just just failures of franchises, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's nuts that they really want to bring it back. It's like, what if, what if, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, at this point, let's bring back, whatever they called again, the California, California Seals? California Golden, Golden Seals. Bring back the Kansas City Scouts. Ah, that's what it was. Fuck it. Bring back Hell yeah, bring back the Kansas I... <laughs> City Scouts. Bring back the Cleveland Barons. Like, come on, guys. What yeah. are you doing? You know what? You know what? I bet the Montreal... Montreal is a good market. Two teams can go there. Montreal Maroons, baby! <laughs> Let's get her done! <laughs> like, at that point, it's just like... Hell, I'll take two teams in Montreal over Atlanta again. Seriously. Like, yeah. there has to be a better option. Hell! There are big cities out there. Throw another team somewhere else before you put one in Atlanta. It would have more success. Yeah. Like, Atlanta seriously cannot be... Like, listen, listen. In maybe, like... If you're going to bring it back... You know, it's the it's the, it's the the big thing with... Uh, with um, uh, redoing a movie. I, I'm so tired. I'm forgetting the name of even that. But, like, making a remake. Yeah. Ma- remaking an old movie, right? If you're doing, like, a movie from, the like, the 50s, it's, like, 50 years old and you're remaking it, that's great. Lo- people will love that. If you're remaking a movie from 10 years ago, everybody's going to be like, huh? it's like, It's like what Disney's doing. It's like what Disney's doing. They're remaking Moana. There's a reason every- exactly. everybody's Exactly, and everybody like, thinks it's weird. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, let... <laughs> Let it be dead for ten seconds, you know? Like Yeah, seriously. Like you like it it's the kind of thing I feel like I've <laughs> it, it also there's know. also another reason it doesn't make any sense, which is if they were to bring it in they're not talking about it as a potential relocation because if you mention the word relocation to Gary Bettman around any of his prized southern Amer- like southern US hockey teams, I don't know, it'll faint keel over and die. Um, before he moves the Coyotes out of Arizona or anybody. Um, so it's not a relocation thing. Um, it's an expansion no. thing. Hell. And Hell. Hell. Move a team out of Arizona, put a new one there. Just, like, restart it. I'd be, I'd be honestly, as dumb as that sounds, I would be willing to do that before we put a team in Atlanta. Really? Okay. Like, come on. I, I, well, I don't know about like, that. At least you'd be starting fresh in a big market like Arizona, right? I just where are they gonna play? Like, and where I'm are exaggerating. They, play? they don't even have. A, I, yeah, I know. I'm exaggerating, but no, no, no. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean, yeah. right? Like it's, it's just at least Phoenix has only failed. There once. has to be <laughs> hell, hell. 
three New York teams. <laughs> Pull in NBA. Put one in like Brooklyn. Buffalo. No, Buffalo has a team. Why did I think? Oh yeah, I guess on? I guess Buffalo does have the Sabers. <laughs> Everybody forgets about the Sabers, but <laughs> I know. Um, why is what the Simon's forgetting the teams that are in the NHL? Um, <laughs> why do I feel like people? Why am I? I I'm feeling dumb right now. Something's up with my brain. <laughs> they should do a study on my brain after this. After this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um. I need a vacation. Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> that's the that's the lesson. Um, okay. But like t- well, talking about just yeah. talking about the the other thing that makes this weird is that it is an expansion, and not a relocation. And that means because there are thirty two teams in the NHL, are they going to go to thirty three and put everything out of balance? I think if you expand to one more team, you have to like balance it out somehow. Because um, when there was thirty one teams, that was awkward enough. Where it was like one division had yeah. less than everybody else. Are you going to bring in four more teams? Like, that's the thing. 32 is such a perfect number. There's a reason. Like, if you expanded again, you'd have more franchises than any other, like, big four sports league. Um, I believe N- NBA, MLB have 30. There's a reason. Like, NH- NFL has 32. Um, NHL has 32. There's a yeah. reason. And for you that. bring up a really good point there. Yeah, that's a really, really good and important point because I don't think that's being talked about either. I think, uh, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, you hit it perfectly. Like it's they have the perfect number right now. I think if you're gonna do anything, you should move a team, right? Like we talked yeah. about, we can talk about Arizona. Obviously, Batman doesn't want to do that, but that's the big one that sticks out. Like all of a sudden, I'm having a brain cramp on the rest. But like, if there's just there are teams in the NHL who wouldn't hurt to be moved and i think that would make a lot more sense than just bringing another one yeah and like i'm looking at there's there's so many other even if you wanted to expand to four more cities i would easily find four more cities before i found um atlanta so quebec city that's one i've I've got a list up that's a really good list bring back the hartford whalers that's another one that could work um yeah shout out shout out to my friend leah from connecticut um bring hockey back to connecticut houston we talked about houston um milwaukee wisconsin um the mm, the bucks have been good, good there i wasn't thinking that's that. another one um yeah. up north they have a lot of attention up there um kansas city that's another one um yeah they what? Ooh, that is a nice stadium. I did not know that they had that. The T-Mobile Center in Kansas City apparently is um, a NHL. Well, yeah, they've got a who? Who did? Who plays there? Who? Who am I? Who plays in the T-Mobile? So it's Kansas City. Why am I? Kansas City doesn't have a basketball team. What? No, they don't. Why am I? Who plays at the? This was a stadium. This looks new. It was. T-Mobile? Wait, whoa, 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 T-Mobile? Yeah. Is that in Vegas? No, there's one in Kansas City that's the same sponsorship. Oh. It was built... It opened in 2007, so I guess it's a little old, but... What would they have had in... Like, they, they haven't had anything. Like this is just to draw in, like, NHL and NBA franchises, and it never worked. So they've got this, like... Oh. This, this arena that has had 
You know what they've had? They had the Kansas City Command of the Arena Football League, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> but other than that, they haven't had anything because they've been. They yeah, tried. That's they crazy. tried to get um, an NHL and an NBA team in there, and they haven't. Bring an NHL team to Kansas City. I think that would work really well. Yeah. Look at all the people they bring like in that for, a lot fo- more than for football games. Um, and football, oh yeah, they've got some really, really serious passionate fans. Bring back the can like we joke, oh, yeah. but like maybe don't bring back the Kansas City scouts in particular. Um, but just bring a team to Kansas no, City. Maybe do a bit of a revamp. Yeah, that logo is looking a little. <laughs> yeah, updated. for sure. That I'd be way, I'd be, I'd be way on board. What about that? Port? What like, about Portland? I think the main takeaway. That's another good one. Yeah, Portland would be good. Like, there's just. Way, 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 way better options. I think that's the main takeaway from this. Like, even, like, I think we already, like you said, like, you hit it perfectly with the 32 franchises thing and how well that fits. I think, uh, I don't know. I think my headset just died, so it might, <laughs> it might sound a little awkward because I have a funny feeling you're, I either won't be able to hear you or we might it might come out my speakers either which is going to be really weird on the mic but uh so we should probably end the segment here the biggest takeaways is just that <laughs> is probably just that uh Atlanta's a bad idea expanding as a whole is a bad idea if you're going to do anything move all right thank you guys so much for watching and listening to trick play this week uh, we'll be back again next week covering the NFL and a whole bunch of other news stories. Hopefully we can get to more some more stuff. Um, then follow us wherever you can find us. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Again, if you're looking for audio, that's going to be over on the... I'm going to try to point my finger at it. Nope, wrong way. This corner. <laughs> it's this nope. corner. Down. There down, you go. Down. <laughs> there. I want to get it exact, but oh. okay, I'm going too far. This nope. is like... The most difficult thing. There. there we go. You see where my <laughs> finger's pointing. You can find us on the Fresh Take yeah, Network you see, now. You see the logo. Yeah, you see where oh, it yeah. is. Um, you know what I'm trying to do. If you're listening to us on audio, um, we'll still be on all the same platforms, just in a different spot. You just have to put something different in your search bar. Um, and if you're listening to us on audio, there's a good chance you already know that. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're, if you're watching on video and want to check out the audio, then... Um, that's a great way to support us as well. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, other than that, um, my shout out for the week, cause I didn't get a chance to shout it out last week. Um, not that she deserves or not that she deserves it. Not that she needs anybody else to shout her out, but my shout out goes out to Beyonce. Um, went to the Beyonce concert in Vancouver on, on Monday. <laughs> um, we stan Queen B so much. It was so good. It was like seven different costume changes. Um, I transcended. It felt like I was high, even though I've never done a single drug or alcohol in my life. It, I assume that's what <laughs> being drunk or high feels like. Caleb, um, Caleb, Caleb Peterson. I have never done a single drug or alcohol in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I get high off the music of Beyonce. So my shadow for this week... Um, <laughs> for making me feel something is Beyonce. Oh, I don't know if I can top that for, for shout out, shout outs, uh, shout out to, uh, Tim Hortons making extra large cups, which I feel like a lot of people don't know. Uh, most people just get larges. I feel like 
I'm just saying. It's it's something that I've recently discovered because whenever I've always gone large double double. That's just my thing. And then the other day I was just sitting in line behind someone and someone said extra large double double and I was like, <laughs> wait a damn minute. Wait a damn minute. You tell me I could be getting more coffee? So uh, I would like to officially deem this the Simon Cup. Yeah. Just, just saying. This is officially. They made this for me. They listened to my prayers. Yeah. Can you get And that? by the way, I finished this. I finished this in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> just saying. Wow. <laughs> they need an extra, extra large. <laughs> Come on. That it's, they call it the Simon Cup or the Broadcaster's Cup. Yeah. How much coffee I drink. <laughs> Do they have that for ice caps too or is it just for double doubles? Or am Ooh. I, or am I Ooh, that's the to, question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, or am I going to have to go up and see? That's the real question. Because if they have an extra large Ooh. ice cap, I'm taking that all day. The large is not nearly big enough. I, I have been getting into iced coffee lately. Like, in the last... That's been, like, the one... I got into it over the summer. Holy crap. I think I'm an iced coffee person now. Yeah. It depends on the weather. Yeah, it does. I, iced coffee is really good. I will say somebody, and I can't remember who... So if that person is watching this podcast for some reason, make sure to yell at me and tell me that uh, you were the one who told me this, that McDonald's coffee or uh, McDonald's uh, uh, iced coffee is really good because before I was about to call a game on the other side of, of the city from where I live in Calgary and there was not a Tim Hortons nearby. Tim Hortons is my usual go-to. But there was a McDonald's, and I was craving an iced coffee, so I was like, eh, why not? And holy crap, was it good. Really? <laughs> it slapped. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, whenever I get an iced coffee at Timmy's, I feel like I'm kind of rolling the dice a little. Because sometimes you just don't get good ones. With McDonald's, it was consistent. Like, I've gotten a couple times now, it's hit. It hits. So, McDonald's might officially... I still prefer Tim's, like, hot coffee over McDonald's, and I feel like at some... Sometimes I feel like that's controversial. Really? But, uh, I, I feel like that's... I, well. uh... Well, I don't... Well, I don't feel like it's particularly close, but I know a lot of people who do prefer McDonald's. And, uh... I will say, iced coffee, I think McDonald's has them beat. It's Wow. Good. I it's think that's good. the only time I've ever heard you say anything against Tim's. Oh, and you, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm Timmy's ride till, ride till we die. Wow, Simon but, uh, thinks McDonald's is better than Tim That iced coffee's good. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Only when it comes to iced coffee. No, Take the iced cubes not, out and you're going to have you a... Know, you don't, you don't we're brawling. You don't get that disclaimer. <laughs> but, Simon will, if it was, if he had to pick one restaurant to ride out the rest of his life with, it would be McDonald's. Oh, God. No. <laughs> that would suck. Okay, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. What was my original shout-out? McDonald's iced coffee? Yours is Beyonce. Go listen to Beyonce, apparently. Yeah. If you haven't already. If you haven't heard of this small underground singer, Beyonce, go make sure to yeah, check I got, her out. Yeah, I gotta, su- I gotta support uh, the local shout-out artists. Is, yeah, continuing the, the thing of it being however Simon is getting caffeine during that episode... This week, extra large coffee cups from Tim Hortons. It's the real, real stuff. But we can end it there. Thank you for watching so much. No matter where you are watching, make sure to check us out on more platforms. There's always more. There's always more. There's always more. And with that in mind. Yeah, check out. <laughs> check us out everywhere. Yeah.
that in mind, yeah. see you next week. <laughs>